We are excited to continue our Seven Deadly Sins series uh, this weekend, talking about the sin of pride. And I have the joy and privilege to introduce our special guest speaker today, coming from Sierra Leone, West Africa, Pastor Shadanke Johnson. He's the leader of New Harvest Global Ministry. This is an amazing ministry, a ministry that reaches into six nations, has planted over 5,000 house churches. Uh, it has over 200,000 people involved in the ministry. Uh, as Pastor Shidanke says, they reach the whole man, caring for people with education and uh, agriculture, uh, most importantly with the gospel, training people up uh, to be disciples and to lead other people to Christ. Uh, Pastor Shidanke is a, a sought-after trainer, church planter all around the world. He's a man of uh, integrity, and um, he's a man of, of prayer and of peace as well. Uh, even Muslims in his own country seek after him for wisdom and advice. Uh, he's also a very humble man, and he's a great man to speak on this subject of pride. So at all four campuses, would you join me in welcoming Pastor Shadanke Johnson to the stage? Welcome, brother. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to take a minute to thank you so much for allowing us to partner with your ministry. That's humbling for us. We've been doing that since 2005, sending teams, sending resources. Um, we've received so much back as we've been challenged as fellow believers, as we see the passion for prayer and for reaching lost people in your country. I know that all of us that have gone on Go Teams to visit you and your ministry have been impacted and, are, and call you friend as well, not just ministry partner, but friend. And thank you for being here with us. Thank Welcome. You, thank you very much. Well, it's always a pleasure to be here. This is home away from home. So it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity, especially to be here in the summer. Wow. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> You know, I want to thank the Lord for such a wonderful opportunity for God has allowed New Harvest Ministries to, to partner with Christ Community Church over the years. And I want to thank the Lord for that partnership because God has used that partnership to grow the work in such a way beyond our imagination, beyond our thinking. And we want to thank the Lord for that. We want to thank the Lord for your lives. We want to thank the Lord for this church because it is through your prayer, through your support, and through the Go team that God has been able to bless the work out there. And together as a team, we are building the kingdom of God and advancing the kingdom of God. And I want to say thank you very much. And God bless you. We, I want to submit to the leadership of this church, to the senior pastor, Pastor Jim, and all the pastors here. And I want to say we dearly love you people. I bring a special greetings from the New Harvest family, from my wife and my family. It's really a wonderful time. God is doing a new thing. You know, there are times we need to ask ourselves a question. What is God doing around the world? What is God doing around the world? Discover what God is doing around the world and go and join God in what God is doing around the world. Many times we invite God to come and join us in what we are doing, but it should be the opposite. Find out what God is doing around the world and go and join God. In what God is doing. And I want to thank the Lord. That's why I want to invite a lot of you. Please join the Go team and visit Sierra Leone. It's a wonderful place to go. You know, I normally tell people, 
Sierra Leone, especially Bo, that is the place where God resides and he visits other nations. <laughs> and so I'm inviting you to join the Go team and be part of the team that will make a difference. All throughout this week, we have been talking about the seven deadly sins. All throughout the month, we have been talking about the seven deadly sins. And we realize that in the beginning of this series, Pastor Eric laid down for us very well the introduction of the series. And then he spoke about lust. Something that everyone, most people are suffering from. A loss of different types. But one of the things he ended up saying is that we must flee from it. Because that's what the Bible says. He did not say walk away from it. He did not say sit and look at it. He said flee. Because that's what's in the Bible. Flee from it. And we realize that Jameson also came and he spoke. He came and he also spoke to us about gluten. Many times I have always realized that, you know, when we talk about gluten, we are talking about, you know, people who can eat so much, eat and eat, and they become so big, and we always say, you know, they become obese. But I learned from this that, you know, even as tiny as I am, I can suffer from this. <laughs> you know, it's a temptation. And one of the things I realized is that, you know, when we go for any wedding feast, especially people who belong to the low class, many times when we see the finger food, we think it is the rest of the food. And so we go for it so heavily. The next time you go to a wedding, please remember, the finger food is not the rest of the food. We learned that. And Pastor Eric also came back and he spoke to us. He spoke to us about greed. Greed, which affects our lives. And one of the things that taught me so much, he gave us an example of the things he wanted to see being transformed in his own home. He showed us his living room. He showed us his backyard. And all the thought of the things he wants to do and change, all at the same time. Many times we think that, oh, because we come to church, this is not affecting us. But it affects us. It affects us as pastors. It affects the church. Today I'm going to talk about pride. I'm going to talk about pride. And before I talk about pride, I want us to take our Bibles and please kindly turn with me to the book of Daniel. We are going to read Daniel chapter 4, verse 29 to verse 37. Daniel 4, 29 to 37. Twelve months later, as a king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, is not this the great Babylon I have built as a royal residence? By my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty. Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like ox, like the ox. Seven times we pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven, and his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle, and his nails like the claws of a bird. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the people of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven 
and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt the, and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he's able to humble. Pride. That's one of the deadly sins. Pride is an international issue. It's a continental issue. It's a problem you face wherever you go. You find pride everywhere. Pride doesn't know any boundary. You go to every part of the world, in nations, in countries, among tribes, among people's groups, you find pride everywhere. You find pride among the rich. You find pride among the poor. You find pride among the educated. You find pride among the uneducated. You find pride among the religious. And you find pride among the non-religious. You find pride in the church. And you find pride outside the church. You find pride among the young. You find pride among the old, the great and small, the wise and the foolish, the strong and the weak. You find pride. Wherever you go, you will find pride. And we realize that pride is one of the most dangerous temptations that has ever invaded the lives of mankind. It has been there from the beginning. It's as old as the world itself. What is this pride? What does it look like? As we look at what pride looks like, a lot of people have defined pride differently. But pride is excessive belief in one's own abilities that interferes with the individual's recognition of the grace of God. Pride is an excessive belief in one's own abilities that interferes with the individual's recognition of the grace of God. It has also been described as a feeling of pleasure from one's own achievements, the achievement of those with whom one is associated or from qualities of possession. That is what pride looks like. It is the obsession of the knowledge of the giftings of your own achievement in life. The obsession of the abilities that God has given you in such a way that you do not recognize that there is a divine being, there is an authority above you. That is pride. And pride... I believe all the deadly things we are talking about arise from pride. It arises from pride. Pride is used in the Bible interchangeably. It's, it refers in some areas to arrogance or vanity. Pride is from the flesh. It's a walk of the flesh. It's from within. That is what the Bible tells us in Mark chapter 7, verse 21 to 22, that it is from within. It is not a gift from God. It is a gift from the enemy of our soul. Pride is from within. There are so many reasons why some people have pride in them. There are so many reasons why some of us carry pride. One of the reasons why we carry pride is because of our achievement. When we achieve things, it makes us prideful. Because of our education, some people are proud because of their education. Because they think they know too much. Their intelligence. Some people suffer from pride because 
of their money because they are wealthy. They are rich. Some people are proud because of what they think they know. Their victories in life, their successes in life. Some people are proud. Not only because of their success, some are proud because they are poor. Their poverty, I have seen pride among the poor people. Some people are proud because they think they are strong, they are handsome, they are beautiful. For different reasons. Because of power. But it is all of these that has brought man to the place where man is today. And because of this, as we look at pride this morning, we are looking at the life of Nebuchadnezzar, a great man, a great king, who ruled for 43 years in Babylon. This man, his life was pride personified. When you look at his life, you see pride personified. And today I want to bring out four things out of his life and the effects of pride in our lives. The first thing we see that pride breeds rebellion. Pride breeds rebellion. Daniel chapter 4, verse 24 to 25, and Daniel chapter 27. This is the interpretation, your majesty. And this is a decree the most high God has issued against my Lord the King. You will be driven away from people and will live with the white animals. You eat grass and ox and be drenched with the dew of the heaven. Seven times we pass by for you until you acknowledge, until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. We also read from verse 27. Therefore, your majesty be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may mean that when your, your prosperity, that's your prosperity, we continue. What happened here is that Nebuchadnezzar, because of his power, because of his victory, because of his wealth, Nebuchadnezzar rebelled against God. He was in rebellion, and that's what pride does. He was in rebellion. He said to himself, I don't really need God. Even when, in verse 27 of Daniel chapter 4, even when he was canceled, but yet he did not listen. When Daniel spoke to him, he could not listen to Daniel. Daniel, you are just too small. Who is this God that you are talking about? Who is God? I am Nebuchadnezzar, the greatest leader. Remember, Babylon was a superpower of his own time. It was one of the first gentlemen of the world, one of the greatest men of his time. He lived in rebellion. Rebellion was in his heart. That is why the Bible says in Psalm 10 verse 4, the Bible says in Psalm 10 verse 4, in his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. The wicked man, with all what we have, pride stopped Nebuchadnezzar from knowing who God is, to rebel against God. Many of us, we are like Nebuchadnezzar. We have rebelled against God. Pride has sent us into rebellion. We don't want anything to do with God. We don't want anything to do with God. We are running away from him. You know, some of us, even like Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 2, verse 47, when the first dream was explained by Daniel, he praised the God of Daniel. And also in Daniel chapter 3, we realize that Nebuchadnezzar, when, the, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was thrown into the burning furnace, and he saw the fourth man, he saw the miracle of God, he praised the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But you know what? 
He was just professing that name. He never possessed the name. He professed the name. He never possessed the name. There's so many of us today. Pride could not allow Nebuchadnezzar to, to, to possess the name of God, but he can profess it. Today in the church, we have so many of us. We profess that name of God, but we don't possess it. Our pride don't allow us to possess the name of God. We are rebelling against God. We are rebelling against anything that is God. Nations are rebelling against God today. Cultures are rebelling against God today. Groups are rebelling against God today. Why? Because of pride. Pride breeds rebellion. And we are living in rebellion. Many people are living in rebellion. We also see that pride does not only breed rebellion, but pride also breeds self-centeredness. Pride breeds self-centeredness. Daniel chapter 4, verse 30. He said, is it not the great Babylon that I have built as a royal resident by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Look at what Nebuchadnezzar was, said, was saying. Is this not the great Babylon that I... I, Nebuchadnezzar, have built as a royal resident by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty. It's all about him. All about Nebuchadnezzar. Yes, he was so self-centered. It was all about him. All about Nebuchadnezzar. And that's what pride does. He, it breeds self-centeredness. The Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 1 to 4, what brings a quarrel among us? One brings a rivalry. We ask and we do not receive. We do not receive why? Because we ask amiss so that we can use it on our own self-centeredness. And as a result, James says, that's why. We ask God and God doesn't give it to us. Why? Because we want it for ourselves. It's all about me. In the house, it's all about me. In the home, it's all about me. In my place of work, it is I, I, I. Wherever we go, to, in the restaurants, it's all about me, I. Wherever we go, in the house, yes, it's about me, I. We come to church, it's about me, I. Self-centered. We are so self-centered. Let me give you an illustration. You know, the, the dog and, and the frog. What happened one day? There was a fire, a fire was coming from the forest. And so the dog... The, the frog was trying to run away from the fire, jumping. And then the frog met the dog. The dog was easy. The dog, they were there just eating. The dog was eating. And the frog said to the dog, are you not afraid of the fire that is coming? The forest is burning. Are you not afraid? The dog said, I'm not afraid because I can fly. And the frog said, oh, I cannot fly. I wish I had feathers to fly. I wish I had wings to fly. And the frog said to the dog, please, can you help me? so that I can fly with you. And he said, but you don't have feathers. How can you fly? The frog said, I have an idea. I want to take a stick, and I will take the stick, and you will hold the stick with your beak, and I will also hold the stick with my mouth. And when you fly, I will fly with you. And the bird said, that is a very intelligent idea. That's a wonderful idea. And all of a sudden, the frog, they took the stick, and the bird took the stick, the dog took the stick, and all of a sudden, when the dog was flying, the frog started to fly. And as they were flying over the farmhouses, over the farms, people were looking at it and said, this is one of the seven wonders of the world. 
The frog is flying. And as I got to a farm, a farmer asked, oh my goodness, look at what is happening. Whose idea is that? And the frog said, it is me. And all of a sudden, the frog fell down. <laughs> he wanted to take the glory. It's all about him. It is me. And he realized that he forgot that the stick was in his mouth. The moment he said, it is me, he was down. You know, many times, it's all about us. But how many times we realize that the more we say it's about us, we are going down. We are self-centered. Pride doesn't only breed rebellion. Pride doesn't only breed self-centeredness. But pride breeds deception. Pride breeds deception. Daniel chapter 4 verse 32. Daniel 4 32 says, you will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times it will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all the kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. That is what God told Daniel to tell Nebuchadnezzar. But you know what? Nebuchadnezzar was not even moved. He was not moved. The reason is that Nebuchadnezzar thought that, you know, I am a great king. This will not happen to me. You know, by the time Daniel gave him the prophecy, and to the time that the prophecy was fulfilled in his life, it took 12 months, one year. God gave Nebuchadnezzar one year to turn around. But you know what? He did not. He was deceived. I'm a great king. I have conquered nation. Look at all my army. I have the chariots. Nothing can happen to me. No word of God will come to pass in my life. I am strong. I am Nebuchadnezzar. I have been ruling for 43 years. This will not happen to me. He was deceived. And that's what pride does. The pride of his heart deceived him. You know, friends, when you read 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1 to 15, 2 Kings 5, 1 to 15, and verse 14, we see a great man called Naaman. Naaman was a great general in the army. But you see what the Bible says, he had leprosy. And he was told by a small girl, a Jewish girl, and Naaman was saying to go to the prophet Elisha. When Naaman went to the prophet Elisha, he was expecting that the prophet would come out and lay his hands over him or pray over him. But the prophet did not even come out to see him. He said, tell the man to go and wash in the river Jordan. The Bible says Naaman, his pride in him, he went away annoyed, angry. I thought this man would come out and wave his hands or say something. Now he's sending me to the Jordan. Are there no better rivers back home? But yet, somebody said, if this man had asked you to give thousands of gold and silver or do anything, would you not have done it? He's just asking you, go to the river and wash yourself. Thank God that Naaman listened. He went down to, his, to the river or else his pride would have deceived him. I want you to know that pride deceives us. It leads to deception. It is very important that deception started in the school garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, right in that garden, the enemy of our soul, Lucifer said, did the Lord say you should not eat from that tree? Did he say if you eat of it, you will die? Oh no, you will not die. Surely you will live forever. It was a deception. And that deception has been there over and over and again. That's what pride is doing in our life. It's deceiving us every day. 
into believing that, you know, you will not die. You will live forever. Nothing will happen to you. You are strong. Forget there's no heaven. There's no hell. There's nothing. This Bible is just a story. It's all a story. Don't listen to it. Forget about it. Leave. Back home, the young people will say, live fast and die young. Yeah, I'm going to live fast. I'm in a fast lane. Forget it. It's my time. These are all deception. You don't need God. You don't need others. You only need to be alone. It is a deception from the enemy. It's a deception from the bottomless pit. That's what the enemy has done from the beginning. And it is pride. Pride is the only one that makes everyone sick, but the one who has it. Pride is the only one that makes everyone sick, but the one who has it. Everyone gets sick around you, but the one who has the pride, if he is okay, he's carrying a feather, but he thinks he's carrying a lead. That is pride. It's deceptive. It has deceived so many people. Pride is not only deceptive, but pride leads to destruction. Pride leads to destruction. Daniel chapter 4, verse 33. Daniel 4, 33. Immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like the ox. Ate grass. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven. And his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle. And his nails like the claws of a bird. His nails like the claws of a bird. Nebuchadnezzar would have saved himself. Had it not been for pride. He would have listened to the counsel of Daniel. He would have repented. But no. He was deceived. That, you know, he is superhuman. This will not happen to Nebuchadnezzar. Oh yes, it happened to the next man, but not to Nebuchadnezzar. And therefore, destruction came to him. God had to take Nebuchadnezzar to a special university. The University of Agriculture. In a department called Botanical Studies. That's where God took Nebuchadnezzar. He lived with animals. He ate the grass. That's where God took Nebuchadnezzar for him to realize. No wonder the Bible said, pride goeth before destruction. Pride goeth before destruction. Nebuchadnezzar, a great king. Can you imagine a great king in the statue of Nebuchadnezzar being brought down so low? He became insane because he could not listen to cancer. He was deceived. Let me tell you, when we fail to listen to sanity from the word of God, it will lead to insanity. When you fail to listen to sanity, this word of God, which is sanity, when we fail to listen to it, then it's going to lead us to insanity. And that's what the world is suffering from today. That's what we are suffering from. We have been deceived, and many people have been destroyed because of pride. You know, many people are waiting for the second chance. You might be fortunate like Nebuchadnezzar to have a second chance, but some people are not fortunate to have a second chance. I want to challenge you today that pride can lead to destruction. It has destroyed so many people. It has destroyed generals. It has destroyed great men. It has destroyed great women. It has destroyed nations. And it can destroy you. Because pride leads to destruction. 
That is the reason why Benjamin Franklin had this to say. Benjamin Franklin said, there is perhaps no one of our natural passions so hard to subdue as pride. Beat it down, stifle it, mortify it as much as one pleases. It is still alive. Even if I could conceive that I have completely overcome it, I should probably be proud of my humility. <laughs> that is what it is. You beat it down, you stifle it. Even when you think you have overcome it, you might be proud of your own humility. But you know what? There is a cure for pride. One of the cures we see is that, you know, is the greatest cure. And that was Eric was talking about as he introduced the series. The greatest cure is the one that Jesus gave. He came and he died on the cross. He died so that he can cure pride. I don't know of any other thing, any other one that can cure pride like Jesus. And the cure that we have today comes out of him, Jesus. And therefore we see that the first cure for pride is to renounce and surrender. Renounce and surrender. Daniel chapter 4, verse 1 to 7a. Therefore, you, majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. Renounce and surrender. That's what Daniel was saying to Nebuchadnezzar. Please, my king, renounce your wickedness. Renounce your rebellion. Renounce it and surrender to God. That's what he was saying. Renounce it and surrender to God. One way that we will have a cure for pride is to renounce and to surrender to God. In Daniel chapter 4, verse 34 to 35, he says, At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? What have you done? He's asking us to renounce and to surrender. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 and verse 9, he says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. And we forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we surrender, if we renounce and surrender, he will cleanse us. He's a forgiving God. He will wash us from that pride if we confess our sins and surrender. In Isaiah 55 verse 7, he says, Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous man their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord. And he will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous man their thoughts. Let us all return back to our God. To our God, he will have mercy on us. It is so important. If you want pride to be cured in your life, you need to renounce and surrender. There's something inside of you that needs to surrender. I know how hard it takes to surrender. But you know, friends, that's the only way. You need to surrender to him. Great kings have surrendered. Generals have surrendered. And he's calling you to the place to surrender. The second cure for pride, begin to live for others, not only for yourself. Begin to live for others, 
not only for yourself. It is so important that in, in Daniel chapter 4, verse 1 to 7b, renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. By being kind to the oppressed. It may be that your prosperity will continue. Now, this is Daniel talking to Nebuchadnezzar. Please, Nebuchadnezzar, I'm begging you, King Nebuchadnezzar, please renounce your wickedness. Be kind to people. Live for others, Nebuchadnezzar. I am pleading to you, live for others. Maybe God will continue your prosperity. Stop living for yourself, King Nebuchadnezzar. Live for others. And we also see in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 to verse 4, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. Look to the interest of others. Begin to live for others, not only for yourself. This planet is too big for you to just live for yourself. Begin to live for others. It is very important. The Bible also says very clearly that if we live for others, if we live for others, we are glorifying the Father. You see, what happened was that Jesus left his splendor in heaven. He came here so that he can live for us. He came here so that he can live for us. You know, I normally tell people that when the Lord, he sent the animals, the first thing was that the animals, animals were slaughtered for our sins. But nothing happened. They covered our sins, but they could not take away our sins. They killed turtle doves in the temples, but nothing happened. And finally, one day, this is in my own imagination, according to the gospel of St. Johnson, the Lord called an emergency meeting in heaven. And he said, who will go for us? There was perfect quietness in heaven. He turned around and looked at Angel Gabriel and he said, Lord, you know, I am not qualified to go. He looked at Angel Michael and Angel Michael said, God, I cannot go. Then who will go for us? The Lord had to step into the arena himself. He said, I will go. He left his splendor and his majesty in heaven. He left his glory in heaven. He came down here on earth so that he can live for us. So that he can live for us. You know, friends, one day as I was praying, I saw the three cross standing before me. And on the two cross, this was a smaller cross and there was a bigger cross. And I felt something inside of me telling me, do you know why that cross, the bigger cross in the middle, do you know for whom that cross was? I said, yes, Lord, it was for Barnabas. Who is Barnabas? He was a criminal. He was supposed to go to the cross, but there was an exchange made. Rather than him going to the cross, Jesus went to the cross. So it means I, I was a criminal. Jesus exchanged and went to the cross for me. He lived for me. That's why I am here today. That's why I'm speaking to you. Because the issue here is that there was an exchange made on the cross. And that exchange was he lived for me. Therefore, the Bible says, it is no longer I that live it, but he that liveth in me. He that liveth in me. It is very important. The third thing we need to do as a cure for pride is that we need to trust in the word. We need to trust in his word. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 37a, we need to trust in his word. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right 
And all his ways are just. Imagine King Nebuchadnezzar had to go that low so that he can come up again and begin to trust in the word of God and begin to believe in God's word. In Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, he says to us, he said, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Keep this book of the law. Keep it. Meditate on it. Think about it. We need to stand on his word. In John chapter 8, verse 32, it says, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I want to announce and submit to you, there's no greater truth than this word of God. There's no greater truth than this Bible. It is the greatest truth that has ever lived. It has surpassed generations. Generals have tried to destroy it. People have tried to burn it down. Others have tried to shut it up. But you know what? It cannot because it is the truth. The reason why I love the truth, you can bury it, but someday it will resurrect. Someday it will resurrect. That is why I'm following Jesus. Because he was buried for my sake. But because he is the truth, he resurrected for my sake. And therefore, we need to stand on his word. His word is true. And his word will set us free from the deception, from the rebellion of pride. The fourth cure for pride, be broken before him. Be broken before him. It is very important. Be broken before him. Daniel chapter 4, verse 37b. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just and those who walk in pride is able to humble. Look at Nebuchadnezzar. Look at what he's broken now before the Lord. He's broken. But yet God has to take him to a special university, the University of Agriculture in the Department of Botanical Studies before he could come to the point to be so broken before the Lord. In Philippians chapter 2, Verse 5 to verse 10. It says, In your relationship with one another, have the same mind as Christ, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. At that name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the heaven. Jesus made himself broken. He made himself broken. And because of that, God exalted him. He was exalted. That is why, friends, I know that every knee is going to bow before my king. I know that. I have this confidence. Every knee will bow before him. Every knee will bow. One way to cure pride is to make yourself broken before him. And finally, friends, one way to cure pride is to pray always. Daniel chapter 4, verse 34a, pray always. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven. This is Nebuchadnezzar raising his eyes towards heaven. It is a symbolism that Nebuchadnezzar started to praise God in his insanity. It came to a point, he started to pray, God, you need to help me. I now realize that you are God. You need to do something about me. You need to help me. He was praying to God. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1 to verse 2, 
The Bible says one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. You see, I want you to know the disciples of Jesus did not ask Jesus, teach us how to make money. They said, teach us how to pray. They saw the life of Jesus, his prayer life in such a way. And they realized that if we are going to succeed, we needed prayer. You see, the first word of Jesus prayed so much that the gospel, according to Luke, registered a lot of things about it. He prayed so much that more than 17 times Luke registered about Jesus going out to pray. Can you remember that the first word of Jesus on the cross was prayer? His last word on the cross was prayer. His first word on the cross, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. His last word on the cross was prayer. Into your hands, Lord, I commit my spirit. He prayed always. And his disciples saw it and they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Prayer is a cure. Lay that pride before the Lord in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says, pray continually. Always in your car. In your place of work, in your heart, as you walk, pray always. It is a cure for pride. Let me tell you, as I end, I tell you, I give you an illustration about the ant and the train line. There was an ant, and this ant builds his house very close to the train line. In Africa, we have a lot of ants, and they will build their houses wherever they want to build it. You see, the, 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 the ants do not need a special permit for building they were your bill. And so therefore, he built his house very close to the train line. And the ant every day would tell his wife and his family, you know, this train that is moving along this line, I'm going to stop this train someday. And the wife would say, honey, please, please, don't try. No, no, no. And the wife said, you know, that train is too, it will just crush you. She said, no, 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 you don't know me. You don't understand. I'm very strong. I'm a strong man. He appealed to his pride, but every day the aunt would say, one day I will stop the train. The children would say, please, daddy, don't do that. But you know, finally, one day the pride of the aunt was so much in him that as the train was coming, the aunt stood on the train line, the track, and the aunt lifted his hands towards the train to stop the train. You know, the train was coming. The train was coming. He lifted his hands to tell the train to stop. But unfortunately, the train driver could not even recognize the ant. And he crushed the ant. And the ant died. And he left his wife a widow and the children orphans. The issue here is that his pride taught him that he was deceived, that he can stop the train. Even though he, his wife appealed to him, yet he could not listen. And so he brought himself into destruction. That's what pride does. That's why we need a cure. I want you to remember that pride breeds rebellion. Pride breeds self-centeredness. Pride breeds deception. Pride leads to destruction. But you know what? We can pray about it and surrender it to God. God has the power to kill that pride inside of we, to kill it dead and buried, and so that we can overcome pride. Can you join me pray right now? And just ask the Lord, Lord, deal with the pride that is inside of me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for sending Jesus Father, we just bless your name. Lord, we pray right now. Every molecule of pride in our lives, we pray, God, that it will be dealt with right now. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you will destroy every speck of pride in our lives. Make us broken. Make us humble. Let us live for others, God. Let us submit and surrender to you, Father. We thank you and we glorify you. 
To you be every honor, every glory, and every praise. By the time we leave this place, we know, Father, your name will be glorified in our hearts because you, Father, have dealt with pride in our lives and in our families. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.